a full disclosure here, I've never ever in my life flown an electric plane. Wow. Oh, school. Man, we just met a unicorn. Sure <laughs> <laughs> did. This show is taking on a new level. Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode. No, this is the second episode. The first... You already lost count? <laughs> yeah, already. Two? The first non-YouTube episode of the year. We're back to normal uh, the, here at the RC Roundtable. And uh, Fitz Walker, and of course, joining me is Lee Ray. Hey, everybody. And Terry Dunn. Good morning. And we have a special guest today. We have uh, Mr... Bernie Isolay from Cox International. Hello, Bernie. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, great. Thanks for joining us today, Bernie. Uh, Thanks for having me. Oh, happy to have you. Uh, first up, let's uh, do a quick rundown of some of the industry news. Uh, first up, it looks like E-Flight has a new timber. And uh, this just popped up. I had, didn't see it until, I guess, was it Lee or Terry mentioned this? It didn't cross my path here. It was me. Uh, so they already have a timber. So my first thought is what's different because it has an X in it. I thought, well, maybe it's extra large, but it looks like it's to be the same size as the old one, right? Just it's a little bit smaller. The older one's a 1.3 meter. Uh -huh. This one's a 1.2. So I guess the big difference with this one is that half the wing is aileron and flap and flap. <laughs> no, it's, it's smaller. The first one's 1.5. This one's oh, 1. So that big. Oh, okay. Are you sure? I'm positive. I'm looking at it. Get our fact checkers on this one. Okay. Okay, so it's a Timber X 1.2 meter bind and fly with AS3X, Lee, and safe. Lee? That's a given anymore, right? <laughs> Do you just say my name after every time you use the word safe? <laughs> <laughs> just want to make sure you know. Uh, I saw it. I saw it. Uh, I, did, I did have a chance to look at the video real quick, and uh, it is pretty impressive how the little guy performs. Right. Well, I think that's the idea. This is the upgraded sport model. It can take a 4S batteries with the same prop rather than just 3S. So it's the hot rod version. Yeah, upgrades. Uh, and it goes from a 1300 kV motor to a 900 kV motor. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of like the P51s, that special like, Great Plains motor where you can uh, you know, just swap the – well, I think you we put a smaller prop, right? We put an 8.8 on that P51. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a 13-inch prop on that 1.2. Wow. Yeah, I guess that's why they're saying you can use a 4S, 3 or 4S in this one. Well, watch the videos. I swear it's a 2 to 1 ratio for us to weight. I mean, with a 13, again, 900 kV, you put a 4S on there turning a 13.4, it's a, it's a, holy that, smoke. That's it's a lot a of prop for a little plane. Yeah, it should be on, a, it should be on an Estes rocket stand. I think I might do that just for fun. <laughs> what it looks like is a clipped wing version of the old one because the fuselage length is actually a little bit longer on this 1.2 meter oh, okay. and maybe that's just it gave it a bigger rudder Good. so Good it looks like they they chopped the wings gave it huge control surfaces and more power interesting yeah and they just size the kv down so you could do three or four s mm. and not to make changes so but while I'm watching the videos yeah they're they're little rockets and you know huge stall characteristics yeah, a lot of those big giant flaps uh, really uh, slow it down. It, it looked like a really fun plane to fly. They can do uh, hoverbatics with it, 3D. It was you wouldn't think a high wing cub like looking thing would do some of the stuff they were doing with it. 
I'm sure Terry was liking the rolling circles. Why do you say that? Because uh, use every time I saw you fly, every now and then I'll catch a glimpse of you flying something, and it's there you go. <laughs> it's up my signature rolling circles. It is. I think it is. I mean, it's your it's it's one of your test patterns. <laughs> I don't know if anybody ever calls me on that because I can do it in one direction. I've tried going the other direction, and I get all screwed up quick. I I think I saw you do that with one of your uh, parallaxes. Uh, I may have video of that. Getting screwed up, you saw? No, oh, no, you were just anyway. Just I, that was like one of the first things in the video. I was like, I bet Terry would. As well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's got some nice stuff. You can get optional floats, and did the original have the shock absorber landing gear like this one has? Are you asking? Yeah, do you guys know? It, it looks like it. I mean, I'm looking at the old timber, and it's got a little spring. Oh, okay. Gear there. Maybe yeah, maybe they're just better. I, I'm gathering from the conversation that none of us have ever had one of the original timbers. But yeah. one of you guys did. I've got the UMX version, which oh, okay. is also a good plane, but yeah, much smaller. So I've never met anybody who had a timber who didn't love it. And people who crash them either buy a new one or rebuild them. So it it reminds me of the same kind of popularity that the T28 had back in the Wow. Its... Dang, Terry. What? <laughs> you beat me to it. You read my mind. I was about to say that. I was huh. like, that's kind of how I feel. I was like, yeah, it's got the popularity of a T28. I retract that statement. Oh, uh, please. No, it was great. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. So, but they never made it a hot rod version of the T28, did they? Oh, you yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just chopped half the airplane off. Yeah, you just forgot to follow along your path. But that, I was just watching that video the other day of your modified T28. Yeah, that's yeah, actually more of a, that now. That was more of a T14, wasn't it? Yeah, like yeah. So is that in Fitz's shop or yours, Lee? It's not mine. It's in mine. I saw it the other day when I was cleaning up. Okay. You got to fly it once every five years. <laughs> that means I got to find a wing. I saw the fuselage. I have no idea oh. what a wing is. The wing is the fuselage, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Poor Bernie. I, Bernie, hey, I haven't forgotten about you. I was like, I'm trying to get Bernie back into this. And I know we're we're talking electric stuff. But uh, Terry, Terry modified a T20, T28, excuse me, a Park Zone T28 Trojan and uh, pretty much cut it in half and then glued it back together lengthwise. Well, just, I made it tailless. I cut the rear fuselage off and added some twin vertical stabilizers. And it flew fine. It, maybe that's uh, it. Maybe that's the T28X. Yeah, no, it's a nice it's a nice plane. I, I've watched the video and it's uh, it's impressive. It uh, almost makes me want to buy one and uh, you know and break with my tradition and fly something wow. electric. Plane, but uh, break a sixty year tradition. <laughs> oh, 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 but uh, I'm learning I'm learning a new language here, which uh, you know I'm not familiar with, but it's uh, it's interesting. But one thing that strikes me: um, I, since when do Americans use the metric system? Did we finally convert you, or was it just a no? <laughs> Oh. I love this. We always say when we, when we talk measurements, we go meters or, or fits like to use in some kind of foreign language. But Metrics. yes, it is weird. We all, yeah, all the wingspans now, unless, I guess, especially from like Park Zone and E Flight, have all been in meters. And, <laughs> wow. and by the way, in all disclo full disclosure, I fully support the metric system. When I'm in my workshop, I have a great ruler that's, you know, English and, and metric system. And that metric ruler comes in handy a lot to make it, to simplify it. So. But, well, there's only two, two countries left in the world that use the metric system, <laughs> United States of America and Liberia. That's the only <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Liberia. I'll, I'll, get, <laughs> I'll get there by, my, by uh, another 10 or 20 years. Don't yeah. give up on me. Don't give up on me. But, yes, <laughs> thank, thank you for pointing that out, Bernie. That's a great observation. Bernie, yeah. we were drag kicking and streaming. Well, the, 
Another way to look at it is there are two types of countries. Those that have put men on the moon and those that use the metric system. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't just say that. I stole that from Facebook somewhere. I didn't make it up. I don't know, but so, China's on the moon now, so I don't know. Not with people. Yeah. Anyway. Plants. <laughs> they put a plant on the moon. <laughs> All right, go back to the timber, because I'm going to talk some more about it, too. How long can it fly, actually, on a charge? That's a good question. It depends on how heavy your thumb is, I guess. <laughs> well, it's only a 2200, and the way they were no, flying no. those things. You can go to 3200, according to the specs, for the battery. Oh. So I suspect, only since it only has a 900 kV motor, if you're easy on a throttle, you can probably eke out a good 8 to 10 minutes on the thing. I agree. Yeah. And I would think Bernie's used to pretty short flights with the 049 world, so this would be a good long time. Well, the endurance, I mean, we uh, we, we sponsored some, some flights, and I think they went for two and a half hours on an 049, but uh, that's a different story. <laughs> Is that a climb and glide kind of thing? No, that, it was a cross-country trek for, uh, for Children's Hospital, and we donated the equipment, and they put a oversized fuel tank in there and uh, just went for two and a half hours in a back pickup truck. Yeah. I, I want to table that because I have some yeah. funny comments on that, but let's bring that back to uh, your conversation later. Don't don't yeah. forget that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have some comments, too. Uh, so I don't know what else to say on a timber. It looks pretty like a nice plane. Um uh, looks like a really fun plane. I wouldn't mind having one myself, actually. Seeing how, yeah, how I think if if I had both versions in front of me, I would go this way. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I got some nice gift certificates. I mentioned that on our uh, our video, YouTube, podcast, whatever, uh, that I got some gift certificates. I was at uh, my hobby shop, Randy's Hobbies, with all my gift certificates. And I was walking around, looking around. I was like, man, I'd, there's nothing I really, really feel like buying. And then I remember seeing the video for this timber, and I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and order, pre-order, because it's not due for, what, another month? Um, oh, Horizon this shows it in stock. You're right. Well, shoot, that's wild. I think earlier when I was looking at it, it wasn't. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to order one. Yeah. Which even version? Even with the safe, I'm going to order one. Because here's something <laughs> that I wanted to add. You ready for this? Because we've had this discussion. This does not have a 636A receiver. It's just a standard 636, which means, God forbid, you crash this plane and the receiver is uh, retrievable. You can move it to another plane without reconfiguring it. Huh. Nice. So that's that's part of the price tag right there is getting a full uh, 636. Mm. And I think that's worth it. Okay. Well, even the A can be reconfigured with the cable, right? It can. It's just, you know, frustrating, I think, for some. Anything can be reconfigured with enough electricity. With a big <laughs> enough hammer. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to get one. Oh, so you did or did not pre-order it? I haven't yet. I thought it, when I when I was at the shop, I said I was going to go look and because I wasn't sure if it was available yet. But now I, I'm officially making the statement. I will order it. Okay. Through my so hobby shop. Two fifty for the bind and fly, and what like thirty bucks less. Uh, Two twenty for the plug and play. So keep us updated, Lee. I will. You're, you're on the hook now. Yeah. Okay. It's all on you. I, I want to see some rolling circles. <laughs> you'll, you'll see one. <laughs> <laughs> And it'll be way up there. <laughs> a rolling U. No, I can, I, I can get it. I can get it done. I'm, I've been practicing. If Terry can do it, I can do it. That's what got me to, to learn how, because I was uh, helping a guy learn how to fly, and like the second day out, 
he started doing rolling circles. I'm like, Dad, nebbit. A brand new guy can do it. I need to learn how. So I did. I got on the simulator and figured it out. Harry's got it in my head because now almost every flight I take with a thunder and lightning, I do rolling circles. There it's you go. Something that's not, it, it's just, you know, I think I was intimidated because the first few times it was just getting, when it got upside down, it was starting to roll down and I was like backing off. And, but now I, it's like, okay, I got this. Now I got the timing down, you know, to, to move everything. Yeah. So. The stir, they call it. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I'll get some rolling circles. I'll, I'll duplicate their little video here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. All right. On to the next thing. Um, we sometimes talk kits, and looks like Tower Hobbies has picked up the entire Sig line of kits and ours. Well, is that is that the history? Because I know they used to carry them. Did they ever not carry them? Don't know. I thought they stopped. Yeah, or no? Well, to me, I, I well, I thought it was relevant here because right after the merger with Horizon and Hobbyco and Tower and all that. We looked and we couldn't find a kit on Tower's website. It was all ARFs. Yeah. So now I don't know if them carrying SIG kits is new or if they've always carried SIG ARFs. I'm sure, again, as usual, somebody's screaming at their computer telling us what's uh, I, really going on. If I recall, but, they they carried SIG but only piecemeal, just like a, a, a few items out of their li- in, uh, library of items. Okay. And well, I'm going to. Library. Yeah. Send your angry letters to rcroundtable.com. Uh, five one main street <laughs> walla walla washington yeah. uh the reason i know is because they have a couple of kits that i remember specifically looking for before and they didn't have and you had to get them directly from sig before and now they actually have them uh specifically the the do 217 kit i thought was oh right which and it it used to be hundreds of dollars but now it's more reasonably priced uh yeah yeah it's not too bad I, I got mine directly from sig i had a discount for, i won something at a fly-in they had a sig discount i bought, bought that so it's i haven't built it yet but i thought it was a neat kit uh, okay but it's uh nice that they seem to be carrying pretty much everything sig makes which is really nice uh at least they attend on it some of the stuff is out of stock but you can see right. some of the old classics like the cadets and the cobras the four stars spacewalker and the stuff their the cub the cub yeah the big clipping cub all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Astro Hogs. I remember flying one of those I, years ago. I had a flashback looking at this list because one of the kits is the Sig Hummer, which is a half A low winger that I built as a kid, but uh, never finished. And I don't know what happened to ah, it, but I, I distinctly remember building it. It's funny you mention that because I did build a Sig Hummer many moons ago, and I put I flew it on 049, and I think a Black Widow. I built it from a kit. I think it was my first low wing aileron plane that I ever built. And flew it with giant three ounce servos. Um, did I have three ounce servos? I think I'm trying to remember if I had standards or uh, I think I may have started with standards, but at some point I put in those those old Astro Flight mini servos. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I guess they call them micros, but it nowadays they'd be considered uh, minis uh, yeah it's relative uh and i also interesting enough i hacked in a pair of retracts into it eventually really yes i found some of those uh, robart half a retracts with a retract servo and i took off the stock landing gear and cut some slots and finangled one in there and it worked pretty good hmm. cool Except and whatever became of it i have no idea i don't remember what happened to it I flew it a lot. I remember flying it quite often, and I think I might have left it at my parents' house many moons ago when it 
before I moved out mm. and went off to do other things. Uh, so yeah, I got it. I have some fond memories of the Sig Hummer. Yeah. So Lee, Bernie, any thoughts on the Sig kits? Yeah, there's some beautiful old vintage ones in there, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of salivating over the uh, the quarter scale Piper J3. Mm, I like that, but mm -hmm. I've been looking at the specs and trying to figure out, you know, what nice little Sato four stroke would go into that as a conversion. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, four stroke would be really nice in that. Actually, I was actually thinking he was saying, "How many 049s can I strap to that way?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a radio four stroke or it'd take a lot, oh. wouldn't it? Yeah, but it'd oh, yeah. be cool. It'd be cool. Cool factor one hundred percent. Sound like a bunch of angry bees. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well I'm I'm in my uh I'm in my home office today. I didn't go to work this morning because I wanted to be on the show here, but I I have hanging above me in my office a beautiful Waco with a nice Sato engine in there, you know, like the what is it? Eight, seven, or eight radial engine, but it's a, it's a dummy, of course. But a, a nice Sato. So mm. those are the classics. I, I've never dared fly it because I don't want to crash it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind having one of their Sato small, one of their really small four strokes that they make. I think they made a twenty, right? Twenty six or something. Does it go that small? Okay. I think I have a forty five. Huh. My father's Sato forty five. Mm. Okay. Which reminds me, now that he's you know you said that, I need to get that down and. Uh, and as far as the SIG kits, um, I I want to say, they, I've always seen them in the catalog, so we know they've always carried them, but I think maybe during the transition or some, you know, bills not being paid, they pulled them off. Uh, so it, it could be that they're, like, back. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I agree. Uh, as far as kits, though, uh, I had a cadet. I built a cadet kit a long time ago. Which uh, one? Because there's the, a lot of versions. Yeah, like that oh, well, just the, the cadet Mark II. Okay, okay, so the one with the plywood sides and yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So that was uh, later I, on. I actually currently have a cadet senior I'm trying to fix up and restore that I got from somebody. I'm eventually going to sell it, but it's got a four-stroke something on it. I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, yeah, I, I look forward to flying it a couple of times before getting rid of it, just for some, just some for nostalgia. And I know it's such a nice flying, even though it's a trainer, it's such an easy flying plane. Yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, you can do a lot of fun things with them. Yeah, I think you could thermal them. If I remember correctly. Yeah, probably. Well, you but had we, a you had a senior reader, right? Arf, a senior reader, Arf. Terry. No, I I had the senior. We did a lot of aero towing with that. Okay. Oh, that's that, right. But that was the Arf. It wasn't a kit. You, yeah. It was an Arf kit. Correct. Okay. Well, as far as kit goes, I'm going to recommend to some listeners if you're new to the hobby or if you want to get a kit and just have some fun, uh, the Sig Riser too. Uh, well, the Sig Riser two meter kit, excuse me, glider, that is a great little kit to start with. If you're not sure about power and, and stuff like that, and you just want to have a nice little tosser, those were there were many a plenty of those gliders at our our field growing up, and uh, it's good to get started, you know. So the price tag's good too, <laughs> so you know. But I I like I like Sig kits. I'm I'm glad to see this. There were tons at the uh, swap meet. We'll talk about later. Yeah. And that there was a cub there, a quarter scale cub. So oh, yeah. <laughs> Bernie had to think about that. Uh, and, and one of my favorites is the Spacewalker. Uh, that was something I was considering getting until I got that Kyosho from Richard. So, uh, and there was a beautiful Sig Spacewalker at Bomber. He he comes almost every year. It's huge. That third scale, I think. Oh, yeah. So that's a Sig. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. So I know some uh, some people online were lamenting the lack of kits over at Tower. So, uh, or just least, in general, or in general. But at least you see Sig has come back in force, so that's a little less uh, whining they can do. Yeah. <laughs> well, one more comment on Sig kits. I got a foamy Sig kit at my club meeting a few days ago. It's um the Bristol Scout, which was an early World War One plane that actually in the beginning wasn't even armed because they I guess they didn't have the synchronization gear yet. So oh, right. Yeah, anyway, they took yeah, pop shots at yeah. each other with sidearms. Well, right. At first they carried rifles and then they tried putting some big heavy metal deflectors on the propeller, which oh, creates yeah. its own problems. And, and some people just decided to shoot through the propeller and take their chances. <laughs> and uh, they did some where they mounted them, mounted a Lewis gun on top of the wing, but eventually they outfitted them with arrestor gear. Um, but by the time they did that, there were better, faster planes out. So mm. anyway, so this is a foamy park flyer kit, a brushed geared motor meant for NICADs. I think it came out uh, 2002, 2003, something like that. But I got a heck of a deal on it, and uh, it's going to be fun to upgrade it with modern electronics. So I will keep you updated when I get around to starting on it. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Sounds good. Look forward to seeing the pictures. Okay, what well, the last thing we have is uh, VQ models. Uh, I think we've talked about them before. They're actually local to us here in Houston, uh, at the importer. And uh, I think uh, Lee has interacted with them a few times. I've talked to the guy. And it's interesting. They've come out with a new ARF. And this thing is pretty impressive. This is a 110-inch B-24. So this is an ARF B-24 bomber, 110-inch. That's that's something special right there, I think. Uh, it is designed for four roughly 30-size engines. They recommend up to a 44-stroke, 25 to 35, two-stroke, or electric. So you can go uh, glow or electric with this. Uh, it's just pretty nice. It has You can have an option of servo-controlled gun turrets. It's got a working bomb bay. Retracts, flaps, to whole nine yards. And it comes, interestingly enough, in three different flavors. You've got olive drab, silver, and an uncovered version. So you can cover it yourself, just a bonus. I like that. Yeah, like that's that. unusual. Ooh, that that's would be good. a heck of a covering job. Yeah, but there are people that do it. Yeah, you know? your oh, sure, covering yeah. job. You can cover it the yellow and polka dot version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a real one. It was the yeah. yellow Wasn't polka there dots. one that was red, white, or is that the B-17 I'm thinking about? I can't remember. Well, they had a bunch of gaudy ones that... They they would take the war weary ones out of the squadron and that's what they would use to to form up on over the base before they headed east. Hmm. So I wonder if you could fly this on four Cox fifteens. <laughs> yeah, I I just convert I just converted the uh, the wingspan to something that the rest of the world understands. So it's two point eight meters. Sorry, <laughs> See, I have to not... get my jabs in. To our friends south of the border here, but uh, 28 meters, that's a big plane. Yeah, it is <laughs> Heavy big. Plane. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. And is there a prediction on weight or flying weight? Uh, did I see that on here? Uh, scanning. Scanning, Captain. Uh, height, wing area. Um, they said you save a pound by taking the bomb load out. <laughs> flying weight. Flying weight, 23 pounds, so that's about uh, oh, 10 kilograms. Oh, there it is. 10 kilograms, 23 pounds. Yeah, yeah about okay. 10 kilograms, exactly, almost. That doesn't seem bad. So 
fits. Our buddy Mike Leibel has a big B24. I want to say it's 120 inch. It's about that size, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's got 494 strokes on it. And do you know what it weighs? 50 pounds or something? I have no idea, but you can tell it's a bit heavier. and It flies a bit yeah. faster. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm just curious if if these are prediction numbers or if that's what they're actually coming up with on this thing because that would be pretty good if you could have a, a model that big at only 23 pounds. By the way, uh, Mike's is 146 inches. It weighs okay. 53, oh, okay. 53 pounds. Okay, so that's a significant difference. Okay. okay. Really that yeah. big? Didn't seem like that big. Okay, so yeah. 23 so. servos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many does this one have? Uh, up to eight. No, wait, no, 12. Nine well, gram metal servos. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing count because it says he needs six for basic and then another 12 for all the fancy features. So you're talking 18? Oh, wait, and then another five? What? A bucket load, I think, is what you're. Yeah, you buy them by the gross and then just throw hey, it at it. Fitz, does the price include the retracks? Because I. I... I've tinkered with the VQ Warbirds. They've got a really nice P38, but you know the the retracks that are optional for that thing are not very cheap either. So no, they're, they're, I'm just curious. It That's says a, they're optional Robarts. Yeah, Robarts is what they're talking. So, and Robarts aren't very cheap either. All right. So there, there is there any gear that comes with it? Do you have to buy theirs or Robarts? I don't recall when I read it. And I'll just let our, let our listeners know you <laughs> that price is not <laughs> you gotta add a little bit more. Yeah. You can yeah. build it as a hand launch. <laughs> well, when you get into large scale bombers like this, you're gonna have to throw a bunch of money at them. They're not cheap. And it gets pretty complicated setting up all the servos and electronics and stuff like that. So Yeah, if you're pinching pennies on a model like this, you're you're in the wrong business. Yeah, you have some trouble. Yeah. Uh, but still, that's impressive. They come up with an RFB24 that's 110 inch. That's you know that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Did Did you notice the gear bay doors? Yeah, they roll up. They roll kind up like an overhead door. Yeah, yeah. They 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 not exactly scale, but pretty close to being a roll. Since they're roll up, that's that's a good attempt at simulating an actual one. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it comes or has optional bombs. I um, think they're optional. But it doesn't matter. Get a couple extra sets because they look like they're pretty small and they're green. So yeah. they're going to be easily lost. Well, my calibrated eyeball looks like they're 3D printed, actually. Oh, okay. Well, still. Looking at the pictures. <laughs> what is the name of the uh, that little remote key you can put on your keychains if, if you've lost them? Bob? Uh, oh, yeah. No, the, the GPS will find Yeah, them. you just buy, buy a whole bunch of those and stick them inside the bombs. Then you're good to go. <laughs> You'll be able to find them all. It's called... <laughs> Tag or something? Tag or yeah, something oh. like that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That'd be a bad idea. Yeah. There you go. Work I mean, on it. <laughs> even when I see these guys drop the Nerf ball, bright orange stuff like bombs, they're impossible to find sometimes. So I wonder how many it carries. Yeah. Did you see that? I don't know. Well, at minimum, at, oh, 16. At minimum, I was gonna say at minimum it's eight because that's what I'm looking at here. Oh, so no, it's it's, 16. That's impressive. Imagine. Carpet bombing your field with these little guys? <laughs> or your neighbor? Yeah, your neighbor. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. No? Okay. Easy, big fella. Too soon? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this, I guess it's not vaporware at this point. That Some exist. I don't think they're in the country yet. Maybe they're on a boat. He says they're on a boat from since December, so any time now. Okay. They had shipped already. So, three to five weeks, I think it says, for the... 
slow boat to get to the states. All right. Yeah. And a uh, thousand bucks. And I don't know if the uncovered one is any different. Mm. Well, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if the if the uh, uncovered was a little cheaper or something. Yeah, but it sounds like th that's a early bird special. Oh, like okay. Maybe I think he goes up two hundred bucks at some mm -hmm. point. Now, if I recall, he was giving one away at the last Bomber Field event where we were being raffled off. Really? Wow. Yeah, was that right, Lee? If I recall. Oh no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, he was no, not not that size. No, I think he was giving away a sixty size kit, not the not the B twenty four. If it uh, was a B twenty four, it was not this one. It wasn't no, no. not okay. the size. It must have been a smaller one. Oh, regardless, I'm sure they appreciate his generosity. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he was very generous with his uh, gifts. So very good. Yeah, so nice shout out to Vigi Warbirds mm -hmm. and Tomas. And in fact, uh, recently, just another shout out to him. Um, the hobby shop I've been doing some work with. Uh, uh, remote control hobbies in spring texas uh they had a giveaway for the holidays of a vq warbird 60 size and oh, nice. so it was nice that i got to partake in that and contact the winner and he was really excited and you know it's good to good to thank those who are able to continue donating stuff out to you know friends of the hobby because you know the industry is a little, little tough still and that was very generous of him so thanks tomas yeah very much maybe one day we can have him on the show as well I agree. Well, there you go. Uh, any last thoughts, Bernie, on this before we uh, close out? Well, that's an impressive bird. I've never flown a four-engine plane, and I don't know that I have the guts to do it, but uh, <laughs> pretty impressive. <laughs> well, you can practice on those small ones. That you have. <laughs> Work your way up. <laughs> well, you can, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, while Bernie's working his way up, I think we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Typhoon in a thimble. That well describes the miniature internal combustion engine that powers today's flying model airplanes. For contrast, these piston transport engines are turning up close to 3,000 RPM. They were manufactured to tolerances in the thousands of an inch. The engine powering this truck turns much slower, and being a diesel, its cylinders fire without spark plugs or an ignition system. This is also an internal combustion engine, but it turns up close to 20,000 RPM in flight, has no spark plug, and is manufactured to fantastic tolerances measured in millions of an inch. All right, we're back. And uh, if you were listening to the very beginning, you notice we have a guest today, and this is a Mr. Bernie Isolay. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Close I enough. Isolate. Isolate. Sorry, Isolate. I uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. Bernie Isolay. He is the uh, sales and marketing guru for Cox International. And uh, Cox International is basically, from what I understand, is taken over from the old Cox Industries. As you know, Cox made the the ubiquitous 049 engines from for, for many, many years. And uh, so it's a real treat to have somebody that can represent, you know, at least I know for Lee and I, our childhood and how we got into the hobby. Because anybody who's been in the hobby for any length of time uh, past the, the turn of the century has probably had at one point a Cox 049 engine or 051 or 020. And they're it's sort of a they they're a labor of love <laughs> they can be cantankerous and uh, a little tricky but they're also 
extremely gratifying when you get one to run very well. And, and back when I had, you know, I was young and needed the money, had, had basically no money. <laughs> Cox 049 was my gateway drug into model airplanes. So welcome, Bernie. Oh, well, thank you for having us today, or having me today. That's great. Um, so can you give us a, a little history about yourself? Uh, you do fly model airplanes, correct? I do. I haven't done a lot of flying in the last few years, um, but, uh, you know, I do fly model airplanes. I basically grew up with Cox as a child, you know, the paper route thing. You buy your baby bee and you go flying, you crash it, you buy another one and you put it onto a, either a plastic Cox airplane, which we referred to as a, the flying bricks, or basically <laughs> build your yeah. own and then run around in, in circles until you ran out of fuel. But uh, it was back, uh, I think, in 2007, I decided to uh, revive part of my childhood dreams, which was Cox, and I searched for Cox products, and it were very, very difficult to find anything at all online, and managed to buy a few engines off eBay and some bits and pieces, and then I bought some more, and I got intrigued. So I finally contacted the track down the Cox headquarters i guess they were in colorado back then and said you guys are still selling cocks well not really we are but we're phasing it out in favor of electric airplanes and so on and um so i asked them what inventory they had and they said well we still have plenty and what are you planning to do with it well we're selling some engines online but really nothing it's we're concentrating on rockets because ss was the owner of cox, the cox brand at the time in 2007. oh that's right yeah. so, so i bought a few bits and pieces and chunks off them you know like 500 dollars worth of stuff and resold it on online and it worked really well so one day i says why don't you send me a list of a spreadsheet of everything that you have and maybe i can make you an offer so it took them a couple of weeks to get that together but they sent it up here and it was you know huge list and included about 45 or 50,000 of the 049 engines and wow. hundreds wow. of thousands. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like new in-box engines? Um, they were brand new engines. All of them. They're not in-box, but they were in bubble packs and they're production engines. Was okay. Airplanes. So that was a bit much for me to swallow. So I mulled it over and I said, well, let's hit them up with, you know, a really low offer just you know, so I don't chicken out and say I'm not interested. So I put in an offer that was just pennies on the dollar basically and expected them to tell me to go jump into the lake and I think it by the end of the day I got an email they said accept it send money I'm like oh. <laughs> wow <laughs> you jumped in the lake anyway just to wow. cool off <laughs> I just went wow I don't have the money <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I scraped together some savings that I had and went to a really good friend and said can you I know you have with money, can you lend me money for this project? And you know, he agreed. And uh, I went to friends and relatives and scraped and borrowed together. And um, then I went to the only other person I knew that was selling some Cox products online and said, hey, I'm buying 50,000 engines. Do you want some of them? So you know, do you want to buy 20,000 engines? And he goes, well, how much? So I marked him up somewhat and says, this is the price. He goes, those are really, really cheap. I go, yeah, they are. So. He pitched in as well, and uh, yeah, at some point, a few weeks later, I had the money, wired it down, and about a month after that, big truck shows up with, I think, seven pallets that are over two meters high, well, stacked them all into the garage, and had my, uh, what was my spouse at the time, roll her eyes and says, you know, you'll never 
ever recover this. I mean, this stuff is obsolete. I had you know contacted quite a few people online and on blogs, and they all said you'll you'll just fail at it. it you, you cannot revive an industry that's dead, right? And little half a gas engine, it's it's done and over with. So, uh, lots of lots of fast heartbeats there. But I stacked everything into our home crawl space that's you know a meter and a half high and it's pretty big on down there, and I stacked it to the rafters and had little walking channels in between the the rows and started selling it online and started with eBay and later a web store and you know it didn't take very long it probably took less than six months for things to really go well and I would say I recovered the investment in the first year completely and uh, it really took off um, you know despite all the naysayers but I was pretty determined and I was passionate about it because it, it was my childhood and I, it's, it was very emotional too, but it, it grew in leaps and bounds. And in the meantime, I have received many, many emails and calls and letters from people who said we revived part of our club with control line flying and this, and we thought it was over. And so I think, I think we created the market as well. That was basically almost non-existent 10, 12 years ago. And, and now it's uh, I think we have about 75 to 7,500 to 8,000 customers in our database. So it, it's worked out really well. And I'm so eventually, of... <laughs> you know, there you go. You, so you made spent... some money off of me. I think I've, I've paid you double what I paid for the engine the first time just to get it to run again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was well worth it. I mean, it did. It brought back uh, childhood memories for me. So I'm so glad you were able to pull that off. Yeah, so after about a year or so, I had to move it out of the house because I had to hire somebody. It was just going, so we rented office space, and then after a year after that, double the office space. And yeah, I've been having nothing but fun with this. It's I, I deal with people that are you know between 50 and 80 for the majority, and I think the average age is according to our Facebook page about 58 or 59. So it's you know it's my age group, and uh, there are people that. They're fun to deal with. It's their childhood dream. And uh, I remember selling the first engines for $9.95 because, you know, when you have, after I gave my competitor 20000 and we saw 35000 of them left or so, or 30000 left, I figured nine we will be selling this for, you know, 20, 30 years. But uh, gradually uh, the price crept up. I think the least expensive Cox engine you can get from us now is $30. And uh, even at that, Supply will only last, I think, uh, maybe another three, four years, and then we have to make decisions. So it's it's been fun. I mean, I, I love going to work every day. It's 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 it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Wow. What part of Canada are you in, Bernie? I'm actually in uh, Williams Lake, British Columbia, a little town of twelve thousand, right on the lake here. Oh wow. Yeah. Peaceful, oh. quiet. We can go flying anywhere we want. Oh, nice. For real? Because. The new rules don't affect you, or because you choose to ignore them? <laughs> well, it's, everybody ignores them anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah, that's good that you're that you have that luxury. Mm. Yeah, I mean, law enforcement doesn't have time for model airplanes here and drones. They have other worries, and it's a small community, and there probably are less than twenty people flying airplanes here. But you know, wow. some fly them on boats right on the lake with their boats or just anywhere you like. And we have a little private airport uh, up the hill here that lets us fly on their runway and, you know, ah. plane approach. We have to kind of get out of the way, of course, but that's nice. That's sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what seems to be the most, one of some of the most popular items that you sell? 
Um, on the engine side, it's, I would say, just the Baby B engine because most of us grew up with the Baby B engine. It was the most affordable one, you know, and then followed by you know, Black Widows and Golden Bees and the like. And then mm. for parts, um, blowheads. Blowheads, blowheads. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question for me. Why is the TD-10 such a hot ticket? <laughs> I was going to ask well, the same question. Oh, I beat you to it. That, Fitz and I have had this conversation, you know, when we went to small and at the uh, swap meet, you know, Fitz is going, hey, if you see a, a TD-10, let me know. But it's it's it, it's unique. It's a small engine. But I, I'm trying to figure out why is it so better than, say, an 049, a typical 049? What makes it unique? I don't think it's. Better, it's just it's supply and demand. There's not enough to go around. I mean, when you have 35,000 of the 049 engines, you know you can cater to the to the demand. But uh, the 010s, they haven't made them for for decades, and there, there's not a lot of them out there. So I mean, we sell 010 engines new in the box between two and three hundred dollars. Period. I mean, that's just that's just what it is. Wow. And most people don't run them. They just put them in a showcase and dust them off every now and then. Uh, now, now, Lee and I went to the Small Steps event, which you're probably familiar with, last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, there you see more Cox engines than I ever knew, had ever seen in my whole life, all in one spot. And, and there are quite a few O10s flying around out there, actually. And they flew really, really nice. I was impressed with the performance of the little guys. They are quite impressive. I mean, they're they're highly annoying, which is beautiful if you like them. <laughs> <laughs> You run them with 30% oh, nitro. That's awesome. 30, 30 to 32,000 RPM on yeah. a. <laughs> like inducted fan. Uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're fun, but parts are very, very expensive. I mean, I, I know about a month ago we put an 010 cylinder and piston, just a piston and cylinder on eBay as an auction, and it went for $121 oh, just for that. Oh. Yeah, it blew me away. So it's. Oh. Yeah, two people are having a contest. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because um, I remember I was thinking, hey, I might look into getting one. And I went to eBay. I was like, uh, no, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, fun, it's funny. Just, I just looked, you know, I'm preparing for this uh, show. I looked uh, last night on eBay, and there is a Cox uh, 010 for a really, really good price. The bad thing is, it looks like somebody used it for target practice. <laughs> <laughs> So he'd spend probably just as much as buying a new one to getting the thing back running again because it was in really, really bad shape. It was it's uh you buy it if you already have a bunch of parts. You don't buy it to fix it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not even the most expensive engine. I mean the other day on eBay weekend last weekend I believe two engines went through. One was a uh, Strato bug, the other one was an RR one, and they both went for over one thousand two hundred dollars. Wow. Wow. Oh. They're oh, extremely, wow. <laughs> extremely rare engine. Yes, they are truly rare. Now, now we mentioned uh, a swap meet uh, that uh, Lee and I went to, and there, because um, Lee mentioned I was looking for some Cox engines, I actually ended up finding a, I guess, a Baby B020, uh, which was pretty nice because I already have one, so I was thinking about building a twin. You were talking about multi-engines. Uh, so I found a matching one. Uh, but the guy also wouldn't just sell me that. He said, you got to buy a couple other engines. So for you know twenty bucks, I picked up the O twenty, which I thought was a good deal by itself. But he threw in uh, a McCoy uh, Testers O four nine and a uh, Win Win Mac, uh, <laughs> which these goes way back. I imagine. Uh, I think the Win Macs go back to the nineteen fifties. 
recall? Yeah, it's same as Cox. Yeah, I went back to the fifties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks old. It's it's really ancient looking. So it's they're really interesting, really nice. I might see if I can get them running just out of curiosity. Uh, uh, but uh, I like many people. I have a drawer full of O four nines that I that I from the years that I bought were given, found, whatever. Um, uh, so that, that's great that it seems to be somewhat of a resurgence in the in those engines, thanks to you. Uh, it's um, I did have a question. You know, at some point you're going to run out of all these things. You, have you explored the idea of maybe remanufacturing them, or at least in parts? Been exploring that for several years, actually, and and. <sighs> The problem is the cylinder and piston tolerances. Um, they are two one hundred thousandths of an inch, or translated into metric, you know, 1.2 microns. Um, we haven't found anyone in North America that can hold the tolerances, and I'm not sure why, because Cox was able to do that 70 years ago yeah. with machinery that didn't exist nowadays. Um, I did find an outfit in Germany that said a micron, that's the norm. Here we do have microns, so mm. we'll probably go there, but it, it is quite expensive. Um, we're currently getting a few a few thousand pistons manufactured because we made the mistake of selling pistons by themselves in the beginning because we thought we'd never run out of engines. And it's going to cost us about, about four US dollars to make a cylinder, uh, not a cylinder, it's just a piston and conrod by itself. So. You know, you're going to be paying, you know, $10 for a piston, and then of course the cylinder is going to be not far behind because the tolerances are there too. So, to to make it to make an engine in small runs, let's say 5,000 units, you're looking at a price of probably about 25 to 30 dollars to buy it. So of course now you're into 50 dollars for a basic basic engine, right? Mm -hmm. But if we increase that to you know 20,000 units, we can probably get it for pretty close to half that price, but not that, that's a lot of engines, right. 25,000 I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very finite market. We cater to an age group that, you know, like it or not, you know, we're all slowly leaving the planet one by one. So, and it's being replaced by a generation that, you know, wants the ready to fly experience where you flick the switch and you fly it out of the box. Right? And right. It is what it is. It's reality. And do you think that newly manufactured engines would have the same appeal to that market i believe so because we are already manufacturing what 80 or 85 different parts anyways because all the engines we got were the ones with the plastic back plate that use an external tank so we mm -hmm. manufacture fuel tanks and needle valves and gaskets all that kind of stuff anyways and oh, okay we have over 4,000 cox drawings here so they're all made to exact specs and yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't appeal to the collector who wants the vintage 1956 Stratobug, um, no, but to the people who are actually flying the engines, yes, I, I do believe that what we manufacture today basically outperformed what was done back then because, you know, we can, we can the, 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 new, the new piston liners and, and so on, they are ported more aggressively than the old ones. So the performance is there. It's just for a collector standpoint, no, that the purists wouldn't accept that, but we we cater mainly to people that actually fly these things. Okay. So the sound and the smell and the feel, that, that hasn't changed. That is what you electric guys <laughs> don't get. <laughs> you go out there, you have, your ears are ringing, your neighbors are annoyed, you have this castor right. <laughs> oil all over it and uh, the smell and oh. you go home and you're truly satisfied. <laughs> hey, Bernie, do you know Tony Accurso? I'm sorry? Do you know a gentleman by the name of Tony Accurso? 
Oh yeah, he's a he's a customer of ours. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a uh, you know my favorite comment is you know when you when you fly a like a Cox engine you just you automatically you know lotion up your hands you know. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Dry skin, skin lotion. <laughs> dry skin lotion. Yeah, that's what happened to me. Uh, I recently built a Cox QT, not a Cox, a QT. Uh, it was kitted by Airtronics, and it was a Cox 049, and it was a great experience. But when I was running the thing on a, a test stand, uh, my my hand was like like I had dipped it in castor oil or something. It was. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you like, kind of did. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. <laughs> right. So speaking of, what's the availability of Hefe fuel these days? We don't sell it because we can't ship it within our country or cross-border without a special, whatever, dangerous, hazardous goods thing. And to ship um, you know, a liter of fuel from here to the States would cost about $150, so we don't wow. do it. But on our website, we have a link to fuel vendors around the world, and there's a few outfits in the USA that do ship within the lower 48. So we, you know, we help them out and have them on our fuel guide, and we, you know, we recommend them. So... You can get fuel. It's not a problem. Um, I, the other thing that we tell people, because you need castor oil, right, is buy a fuel that's made for um, cars, right? So like something with 30, 35% nitro, and typically that fuel has very low oil content, like you know 8 to 12% typically, and then uh, it's all synthetic. So you just buy yourself some castor oil, throw some castor oil in there, and you've got perfect fuel. Hmm, interesting. So it's, so it's not difficult to get. Yeah, I should mention that uh, your your website maintains a forum uh, yes. for Cox Engine enthusiasts, which is really nice. Really nice forum, some really good information there. Guys seem all really great. Uh, and you also provide a list of fuel suppliers. Uh, the, I guess, I don't know if you call them officially sanctioned, but uh, recommended suppliers of stuff for fuel uh, on that website. So they can go there. Well, and we could. Well, we do it because I mean, it's self-serving because without fuel, people can't use them. So we just figured out who sells the fuel and advertise it for free for them. We, you know, we want people to find fuel. But just just a disclaimer, we don't run the forum ourselves. We monitor it and we're mentors there. But the forum is absolutely completely independent from us. I mean, we have a link to it there, but it's it has nothing. Well, oh, okay. Didn't know that. Sorry. Forum, but, yeah, so we don't advertise there. We don't do anything course when someone's looking for a hard to get part i mean do we say hey but of course yeah yeah now speaking of parts i noticed you guys got a lot of parts i was poking around through the site and there's a you know impressive uh, uh inventory of stuff uh and i had a couple things that kind of popped out. i was curious about i noticed you have reed valves you have steel mylar and nylon what's the difference i thought there was only really one type but you had like three or four different types i was wondering what's the purpose of the various materials uh when Cox first started out, they used a copper beryllium lead, a reed, which was star-shaped. Um, that worked well until they produced engines which were higher performing. So they, And that reed is so thin and so light, it induced reed float, so the engine would surge. So Cox invented the Mylar reed. And then later, I guess for cost reasons, made a steel reed. The best reed is probably the Mylar reed because you can bend it back and forth and no damage, whereas a steel reed, you just nick it with your fingernail and it's useless, right? And that was a problem with the copper beryllium one. So, and then we tried out Teflon reeds as well. They're not great sellers. They're a bit cumbersome. They're supposed to be better. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I always recommend the Mylar reed because it's very simple. It's hard to destroy it and it has a long life. Oh, great. And one other thing that caught my eye is it looks like you've 
made your own carburetor for the TD series of 049s? No, that carburetor there, and I think we only have one or two left, um, that carburetor came off the, <laughs> a little plug here, uh, that carburetor came off the uh, TD, uh, TD050RC engine that Cox made. They only made 2,000 of the engines. Oh. And those again go for like $300 just because they're collector items. And that's the carburetor. So a few years ago, we lucked out and somebody, I could have been an ex-employee of Cox, offered us a whole bag of the um, carburetor parts. They were all in parts, right? And I think they were R&D rejects or something like that. I'm not sure what they mm. were, but them inexpensively and he offered them to our competitor as well. So we teamed up and we bought them together. And... Uh, I think we got about a thousand carburetors out of them between the two of us, and that's what we we reassembled them. We had to buy a couple of screws and things to match up, and, but most of it is original Cox. So those are the ones from the TDRC05. Um, and again, we're going to be out of them, and well, for the weekend just because it's coincidence, but well, that's how it is. And we will not make them because to make them would exceed the price of what we're selling them for today. Oh wow, so good money yeah. can I guess, huh? Yeah, it's, it's it's neat if you want to completely have you know a genuine carburetor. But we also developed a throttle for the regular 049 reed valve engines, and that has been a huge success. It's it's not expensive, and it goes on the back of the engine, and that's something. It's such a customer of ours who developed it, and then we had it we had it manufactured. And, you know, oh yeah, I see it here. And that, yeah, and, and that throttle has been unbelievably popular because in the past you couldn't really throttle the Cox engine unless you use a throttle ring, mm. which of course, you know, it had some drawbacks as well. And uh, you can't use a muffler simultaneously, whereas with ours you can use that rear mounted throttle and a muffler at the same time. And in most countries, or you know, we sell a lot to Europe and they are muffler almost mandatory. Oh, uh, well, even for an 049? Interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm originally <laughs> from Germany, and there it's 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 very strict. There it is. Wow. It's too, it's too densely populated. I mean, anywhere you go, someone's going to hear the engine. <laughs> yeah. Bernie, are for the baby bees? Are most people still using the spring starts, or they modernize now? Yeah, people are using spring starters, and we recommend them. It makes it easy. I mean, the purists, of course, they just snub their nose at that. They'd rather you know. <laughs> Show the scars on their fingers, and you know, that's right. really efficient. But <laughs> the spring starters really work well, of course. And, and their main reason is to prevent the engine from running backwards, because all Cox reed valve engines run equally well in both directions, right? And half the time they do start in the opposite direction if you're using your finger. That's just yeah. the way it works. I could never really start it just with a. I could use a spring, or I made a little electric motor start, but just to like the hand prop it, I could almost never. That almost never worked for me. I, yeah. I didn't have the technique. I didn't have the skills. <laughs> what do you want to call it? <laughs> so, what about yeah, propellers? Are, are propellers mm -hmm. still available that fit that same screw? And yes, actually, we we lucked out. We um, I tracked down one of the original equipment manufacturers for Cox uh, down in California. It's a plastics molding company. And um, I phoned them up, or they, I can't remember who contacted whom, but they said, you know, we have all these molds sitting here, and we have all this overages from Cox that are all scrapped to us because, you know, we made them and didn't pay us for them. Are you interested? So they sent me a list of what they had, and 
lo and behold, and we bought out two pallets worth of overages for parts that they had, including propellers. And they also have the molds for certain propellers. And they have been molding propellers for us for, for many years now on original Cox equipment using the original material, like the DuPont nylon material uh, that Cox used. And his dad actually used to be a um, general manager of Cox years and years oh, ago. So yeah. uh, he's quite familiar with the business. And uh, that worked out really well. So he's been molding propellers for us. And he said they're all original Cox machinery. So, yes, they do definitely fit. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, I didn't know that. And then we were approached about uh, seven years, seven, eight years ago by Cox again. It was a, you know, Estes Cox and said, you know, we still have all this stuff here, but it's all electric. You know, so, I, don't know I don't want that. But he said, well, make us an offer. So I said, OK, well, I'll make you make you a really stupid offer if you really want to get rid of it. He took the offer. <laughs> <laughs> we should have the first time. I mean, it was their, their whole Warbird series. So we got, I think, 400 transmitters and 400 uh, flight sets and I don't know, boxes and boxes of electric motors and planes and it was I think three or four pallets came up here again I had a look at it down it snubbed my nose at it I have to admit and then uh, phoned up somebody on eBay that was selling Cox products but he was starting to get into drones and electrics and all that and I said Reg do you want all this stuff here I've got all this he goes oh yeah how much so I gave him a price which didn't equal what we paid for obviously we I, doubled or tripled it and he said oh that's cheap let's ship it all down here <laughs> down it went <laughs> and, he, and he sold it all <laughs> that was okay, fun bernie that's it i'm so, hiring you to buy my new car and sell my old car well don't laugh i before that i was import exporting automobiles for 10 years before that so, oh, wow. I'm buying up cars around the world, new cars in North America and exporting them back. So we would buy Mercedes in, in Canada and send them back to Germany because they were cheaper here and, and so on and so forth. But anyways, but if you know anyone out there or spread the word, if somebody has estate sales with Cox or defunct shops or, you know, are selling Cox products new in, in large volumes, um, we always try to buy them up and oh know, no 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 i'm buying it first and then i'm selling it to you <laughs> <laughs> well i had one i had one last month who did the same thing he went to uh, some meet there and he bought up i think two thousand parts and all new and new and he offered it to us and so i phoned up my competitor and said you know did he offer it to you too oh yeah i says well let's not outbid each other let's you know Let's agree on a price and split it. So that's usually what we do with our competitor. He's a super, super nice guy. And we actually have a link on our website to his store. You know, it's, just, it's good karma. He's, he's yeah. a nice guy. So, uh, oh, yeah, I believe in that. So uh, it happens all the time. This guy just marked it up and I think doubled his money. And we sent him the money and he paid his supplier. And uh, Yeah, so, you know, we do that all the time. And every month we get somebody who says, you know, my dad used to own a store. And I still have all these boxes of cock stuff. And, yeah, so. I always encourage people approach us to buy because the more we have, the more we can keep the hobby alive or this part of the hobby alive. Sure. So is there any reliable estimate about how many baby bees were manufactured? I don't know how many baby bees were manufactured. Um, I, I would guess over a million. Um, I would think Cox probably made between 20 and 30 million engines total in their life. Wow, a lot of engines. It was the most popular brand. I mean, when Mac Testers and all the others, Fox, they couldn't 
you know, they couldn't compete with the quality and, and the performance that Cox had. And Cox was the one that survived the longest until you know, the electric world came along. And that was, you know, that was the death of, of Cox yeah. Yeah. You know, on any scale. I mean, <clears throat> there's not a lot of room for Cox sellers in this world. I mean, there's two on the two on the planet that have any depths and breadth of product. It's us and our competitor in Connecticut, uh, Matt's his name. He's a super nice fellow, and we often manufacture things in conjunction with each other. So whoever initiates manufacturing a, a part, you know, we email each other and say, hey, do you want to take part in this? And yeah, it, it works, and yeah. it's a fun thing. I uh, I love there. I'm at my house waiting for us to finalize this. I can go back to my 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 uh, my my fun office. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So that's great. You're having a lot of fun doing this, and uh, so the camaraderie is is quite impressive that you have such a tight knit group. Uh, just to, just my dealings with a lot of the other the Cox guys, they really really enjoy this a lot and really like to help other people and it's just sort of a, a brotherhood of the, the cox engineers or whatever you want to call it yeah i mean we we approach it as a business not a hobby so i mean to us you know phone calls are returned within minutes emails are returned within hours i mean it's a business actually i mean i do realize and, I, and i've been self-employed since the age of 19 and i'm 60 now so i i do realize that the, the the only real assets we have are our customers and staff and everything else, you know, you, somebody else could compete. So you know, the customers are our biggest assets. So we treat them well. I mean, we want them to come back and our repeat business is around 72 to 73%, which is, it's quite high. Uh, did Cox ever make any multi-cylinder engines or are all, all of those uh, custom things that people have done on their own? They're all custom things. Yes. And and Calx never made a diesel engine, so we do sell diesel engines as well. Ah. And our biggest market is the UK for those, obviously. Mm. But uh, we do sell, I think, three or four different diesel and en- diesel engines. And um, you know, you have to be a fetishist, I think, to to run a diesel engine. But uh, <laughs> when you do get them running, they they do sound nice. I saw. Um, yeah, it used to be Davis Diesel had conversion kits, if I recall, for them. Mm-hmm. If you, I don't think right. he's still around anymore, but I remember that seeing that um, for years. No, we used to buy from Davis Diesel, and then the relationship kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we basically manufacture our own diesel heads now and diesel cranks and things like that. I remember seeing something weird years ago at a hobby store. It was a Cox 049 on a gearbox. It was in a display case. I always, I always thought that was just fascinating. And at one point, I wanted to buy it, but I they, they wouldn't didn't want to sell it. And I don't know where it came from. I think it was, of course, somebody just somebody's idea that they thought of and thought it might look, be interesting. But I was always curious how that would run because it had a big prop on it, of course. Yeah, they there are every now and then on eBay you see some show up for sale, and apparently they do run. I I don't know how well they would run, but because every time you add gears to something that spins that fast, and you know you're you're decreasing the output at the end, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was. It was more for the novelty of it than any really good performance out of it. So, for the dumb guy in the room, explain to me what the benefits of a diesel conversion would be. Mostly, uh, mostly scale effect. I mean, if the engine does not rev as high as um, as a nitro engine, the sound is more 
you know, like a, a rich running sound rather than a high pitch reeking sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it swings, a, it has a lot more torque, so it swings a way bigger propeller, which of course slows it down even more. So on an 049, you can run an eight inch propeller and have a very real, more or less realistic sounding engine. Um, and of course, fuel economy is better with diesel, but that's not the main reason people buy that. It's more, a, it's more a scale sound, and they fly, you know, old planes and that's, that have, you know, wire struts on them and all those kind of things. You know, the, the classics, right? So um, it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, we don't recommend someone who's never run a model engine to buy a diesel engine because it's usually frustration, and you need a special mix of fuel. Of course, you can't just go to the gas station and buy diesel, yeah. and then. And ether is very difficult to get in North America, especially after 9/11. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a controlled substance, right? Yeah, we had a quick discussion on that at the the uh, small steps fly in. Apparently, people are using ether to uh, get intoxicated with as well. What? <coughs> no. Well, see, we we don't need that up here in Canada. We have legal weed now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, uh, Terry, you had a question about the AMA uh, Canadian Flying Corporation, or who was it? Was that Lee? No, that was me. Actually, um, somebody posted a question on our Facebook page last week um, because he is a Canadian, and he was curious um, what does he need to do to be able to fly at RC events in the U.S. And I looked uh, into it, and basically, the AMA and Mac M A A C model aircraft or help me out here, Bernie. What's the Canadian model modeling? Uh, uh, Mac, what is it? I, yes, I'm not a member of it, so I couldn't even tell you what it is. Mac, or what's it called? Or yeah, M A A C. I believe that it is. Yeah, M A A C Mac. And I'll tell you what it is. Model Aeronautics Association of Canada. So uh, the gist is that the AMA and Mac have this handshake agreement and have had it for years, where any Canadian who is a MAC member can come to a U.S. event and vice versa for AMA members. So basically, you, as a Canadian, you would not have to join the AMA to do U.S. events, or as uh, an American, you would not have to join MAC. And so uh, for me, that's uh, pertinent because I'm half an hour away from the Canadian border. So it's good to know that I can yeah. cross over and go to events. Yeah, I didn't know that. No, I think there's, I don't know if there's any different restrictions on radio frequencies and things like that. So, yeah, I'll have to look further into that. But, yeah, there's, um, the bottom line is there's um, an agreement in place. So, hop on a plane to Canada and go fly. (laughs) (laughs) Or the other way around. Come on down, Bernie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I go to the States every now and then. That's that's fine. But, uh, you know, it's usually when I sit on my my two wheeler and go down towards California and just you know along the coast and stop at a little fish shops and have a glass of wine and some seafood and you know, that's my passion in the summer. I'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> oh, nice. I'm I'm really eyeballing that uh, carburetor for the TD. <laughs> I don't know how many we have left, but I, it's very, very little, I think. So we'll save one for him. He'll be calling yeah. you soon. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by it, and I, I'm, I'm kind of spoiled now by throttleable 049 since my last build. So 
Well, I just checked. There's two left right now. So, but those go. Those only go on TD engines and medallion engines. Right? Yeah, Don't yeah. Forget. I have a TD 049. Yeah. I have a couple of them. Yeah. I'll I'll pitch in ten bucks for you, Fitz. <laughs> <laughs> All right, deal. <laughs> if you find any old tens for a really cheap price, let me know. No. Yeah, just kidding. Uh, I'm sure I've talked about those eBay sales. Everybody's digging through their stash right now to see if they've got some rare items. Well, never know. Have them give us a jingle. We we pay fair price. We generally pay half of retail, so because we need to have a markup. Obviously, and we have to pay for shipping costs and credit card fees and PayPal fees and yeah. even you know on and on. And we need to make a living because it's actual business, not just a hobby. Right? So, sure. But yeah, yeah, we pay about fifty percent of retail, which it's fair. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not going to let Fitz take a, a ten and sit it on a shelf and dust it from time to time. He's got to use it. <laughs> oh no no i already got airframes in mine awesome all right yeah 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 <laughs> hey, oh, send yeah. a video up because we do post videos and photos and comments on our facebook page so if you have uh, something nice that's caught to send her up well actually i have a video two videos i made of when i built my qt that shows me building it uh, scratch building it and flying it and that kind of stuff i can send you links to that yeah please do uh teresa is our facebook guru and she will post it on facebook Oh, nice. Thank you. Well, on a personal yeah. note, Bernie, I've I've kept quiet a lot because I liked hearing about this. I am not as active a, a Cox engine owner as Fitz, but I, I have one that I used on an old airboat. It's an uh, it's a RCB 049. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. For me, it, and maybe it's you kind of mentioned that there are certain people that, you know, <laughs> like the diesel guys <laughs> they just they do that i that engine just does mean a lot to me it's it's my past it's my father it's it's that noise it's the smell and i was hoping to have it on an aircraft for small with fits i didn't quite get there but i brought it with me but now that i have it out and it, you know and pulled it out of an, an old drawer it's just like every time i look at it i go i'm i'm going to run that again and you know with your help because i i ordered a lot of stuff from your ebay account i i got it back up and running and it's ready to go and i they were Unfortunately, I discovered that I had a cracked fuel tank uh, after struggling with it. And there was this, this hairline crack in it, and I figured, you know, I fixed it, and it's running great again. But uh, yeah, I'm glad that you were able to save those engines, or, or better yet, get them out from being in a closet you know, or an old warehouse, and and getting people to get back. Because uh, as you said, there were I'm sure there were hundreds of people thanking you for or making them available again, and you know, I'm one of them. So. Well, yeah, I think the story I heard after I purchased it that they were going to scrap all the equipment, including the engines, because uh, of the new calcium lead laws that were coming out at the time. And so I had to sign a waiver that we would not sell them to kids under 12. Okay, I signed the waiver, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> People buy online. Do I know how old they are? I don't, I, no. I don't care. Right. So and basically, probably won't anyway, like, like you said, it was going to be all the old guys buying them. So I think it was safe anyway. Yeah, I think they were safe anyway. But, you know, they actually scrapped hundreds of thousands of parts. I mean, oh. they had, I think, 10,000 10, glow heads for 09 there. So I bought them and I went to look for them. He says, oh, no, actually, we scrapped those. And oh. I, oh, my God. No. Oh, crying. Uh. I mean, those things are like $15 each nowadays. You know? uh, I feel like Fred Sanford. I'm coming, Elizabeth. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, well, you know. This is kind of nerdy. Fitz will appreciate this. But do you remember that whole – there was a movie made about the uh, E.T. Atari game? 
where it you know it was called the worst Atari video game ever, and they dumped him in a, in uh, a yeah, yeah. landfill. Yeah. And then some guys using science and photos and all this jazz, you know, uncovered them. You know, yeah. they went out to the and they they yeah, found, they found them. them. Yeah, yeah, they found them. And I, I don't know, you know, really if it was as big a deal of finding them and you know trying to resell them. But man, you hear about you know. Now that I'm a cox owner, and now that we talk about like the tens and so forth, if if you knew where there was a stash of buried <laughs> cox treasure, yeah. we should you start. Know, a mission, you know, <laughs> they they show up every now and then, like a couple times a year. Someone comes up and says, "I have a box of this and this," and I go, "Seriously? Send some pictures." Okay, we'll buy. But uh, in parting, I should probably, out of fairness, mention that the Cox brand itself. Um, Estes Cox did not want to sell it for us because at the time they sold. Uh, Estes and Cox to um, to Hobbyco, which right. you know is Tower Hobbies and everybody, and of course Hobbyco went under last year and was bought by Horizon. So the official owners of the Cox brand is Horizon, uh, which which we're not affiliated with. Uh, they do sell, I believe, some Cox products. Um, well, I didn't check lately, but. Hobbyco used to sell a few electric airplanes, like the foam airplanes with electric motors, and they put the Cox label on it. I think they rebranded some they had before. I, I'm not mm, sure. Right. So just just to be fair, that you know, we do not own the Cox logo or the Cox brand itself. I mean, we they leave us alone, we leave them alone. You know, we're not competing against each other. They do electric, we do the, the legacy gas products. But I just had to mention that we're not the owners of the brand. So sure, interesting. All right, I want to throw my uh, nostalgic 049 story out there. And I think I've said it on here before, so you can tune out for, for 30 seconds if you've heard it. But when I worked in the space business, um, one of the astronauts offered to fly a personal item for me on a space shuttle mission. And I had a few days to think about it. So I kind of rolled it around in my head thinking what kind of, what little trinket represents me. And I ended up handing over a, a baby bee for him. So um, he took a baby bee to space and brought it back to me. And uh, I kept her around for a few you years. You know, I've heard I, that story. Yeah. Go ahead. So I was going to say, I, I kept her around for a few years, then I felt guilty that it was just sitting on a shelf. So I donated it to the AMA Museum. And I don't know what they have or plan to do with it, but it, it's there now. Um, huh. I heard that story, and I wasn't sure if it was true. But, I mean, hearing your voice and, and you're confirming that, that's true. If you have any documentation or video about it, send it up. We'd love to put it on the Facebook page. Yeah, I can do that. Great, that would be awesome. Yeah. Did it mutate? Did it not? It hmm. came back from space. <laughs> yeah, I think they tried to run it up there, but they couldn't get fuel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't even go there. As somebody who does yeah. safety work, but no. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that was the thing. I thought about it because uh, you know what they put on board the shuttle was very. Um, limited so i made sure i disassembled the engine and cleaned any residue off of it and made sure it was sparkling clean before i handed it over to them mm, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah cool yeah uh, all right well we've uh we've gone for a while now let's um uh last couple of things before we go um swap meet lee and i went to a swap meet uh, last was it last week Maybe? just last weekend yeah weatherford yeah. no not weatherford uh, was it Weatherford? Georgetown. Georgetown. I'm sorry. We went Georgetown, to Georgetown swap meet. Texas. And I have to say, both Lee and I were pretty good. We didn't. We didn't uh, give away the the home world, buying stuff. That makes you pretty bad. Uh, well, we we uh, we found some a few goodies. I forgot what Lee. What did you get? Oh, I got that Hobby Zone Champ, almost new in box. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, get the oh, you said you got a report. great deal on it. Are you going to tell us how much you paid for it, or are you just going to gloat? I will. I mean, I, I have my little notes here. The Hobby Zone champ, this guy had it in a box. He had a $50 price tag on it, and That's, I opened it up, and it okay. looked brand new. He had It was an RTF, so it had the transmitter, had the charger, had three nanotech batteries. Okay. And I looked at him and said, you know what? I'm not even going to barter with you. I said, I'll just uh, I'll take the 50 because it was worth it. I mean, it's a great plane. You know, and of course, I get it home. The first thing I do is I dent it. <laughs> you drop a letter you know, on I, it? I put a, no, I put a big dent in the side because when I got it out of the box and I was able to bind it to my transmitter, I realized that the uh, the elevator servo or at least the, whoever handled the, the push rod. And this is probably why he got rid of it. But it had so much up deflection at neutral that uh, the the push rod was set wrong. You know, the, the, where they CA the wire to the uh, carbon fiber, and it looked like he had tried to pinch it to adjust it. It was just all wrong, so it wasn't moving right. So I, I took about a quarter of an inch off the, the carbon fiber rod to reposition the wire. Now it's great, you know. Uh, oh. But it, it had some problems with it, so it could have been like, you know, porpoising in the entire flight, the way I'm just guessing he had it. But all the batteries were are awful too. <laughs> they were, I cycled them and none of them were holding more than like 80 milliamps. They're those 150. Yeah. Any better. So I tossed those. That's okay. I tossed those. I got some new batteries up in you know, my local hobby shop and uh, no, it's great. I mean, except for the little dent, I put it in and I was like, Oh, I couldn't, <laughs> I just, you know, I just had it uh, like a tool or something in, in the wrong place and dented it. But what was funny is after I showed it to Austin, he was like all excited. We went and flew our champs together and oh. I, yeah, it was fun. So I, I was a great deal. I was really happy about that. And then uh, another little bonus, uh, I I did pay for the raffle. So I think I put 20 bucks in for the raffle for a, a Spectrum transmitter and uh, a plane. And I won the UMX Habu. All right. And again, something about elevator issues. <laughs> I, I got that sucker bound to my transmitter, had it all, you know, configured with the instructions on, you know, channel assignment. And the elevators are like full up. You know, I can't, I can't get them to go down. So gonna, gonna play with that and haven't flown it yet. But that was, that was nice. So I got the Havu. I got a little P thirty eight Christmas ornament. Um, in fact, my joke is, you know, Fitz and I got, got in there. We were just talking. We both disappeared from each other. You know, within minutes, and you know, within five minutes, I bought something. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's, that's the sign of a good, good swap meet. So yeah. I yeah. picked up. In fact, when the, one of the first things I bought was this guy who had champ parts. He had a wing and a fuselage. And I got a great price out of him. So sweet, nice. It was a good swap meet. How about you, right. Fitz? I know Fitz put some stuff in his bag. Uh, yeah, just a couple of things. I found a nice set of Gropner spoilers for a glider, metal spoilers that for they were cheap, and I thought I might be able to put them in a, a glider I had or something. They were just really nice. Um, did I get anything? I didn't really get much. Oh, I got a receiver. Oh, you got the engines. Yeah, I got. Uh, as I mentioned before, a guy I was. The guy had a Cox 020 Baby B I was looking for, but he wouldn't sell it by itself. He said he had to take all these other engines with it. Uh, since he was only asking 20 bucks for the Cox and I think two or three other engines, I just took them all, even though. Yeah, I, right. Uh, yeah. So I've got uh, a Testers. Looks like it came out of a plane, 049. And I think I actually got two of the Wemos, Wenmac Mark III's. Uh, they're really, they're. Kind of interesting looking. Uh, I looked them up, and they, they date back to, like, the late 50s. Uh, they all turn over and seem to be in fairly good shape. So uh, I might mount one to uh, a board or something to hang it on the wall just as decoration or something. Um, uh, the the tester one has actually kind of a nice spring start to it. I might put – and it has a rear tank. So I think I will might consider bolting that to a test board and run it. 
and see if it runs and maybe possibly put it in a plane or something. It looks like it came off of one of the toys, the plastic toys that uh, Bernie mentioned before. Yeah. Um, uh, Bernie, it might be interesting to note that at the swap meet, there was a guy selling a bunch of control line planes with Cox engines as a package deal. Wood, wood planes. Okay. I thought that was interesting. Uh, wooden plastic, plastic planes or wooden planes? Uh, both. There's, or at least I saw both. Okay. May not, may not have been the same guy, uh, but you know, I think it was. He had some plastic ones that were kind of mm, just so-so shaped, kind of beat up, used ones. But he had wood kits basically packaged up, new in the package, with uh, the, the, the same engines you were talking about that just have a back plate uh, for external tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he had a pretty pretty nice price on them, and they weren't expensive. And so I thought that was kind of nice, a prepackaged deal. I think they're profile control line planes uh, that you put together right. and fly. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting to see that. Um, so that they're still around. You go to, we go to the swap meets, we still still see some of that stuff. And I don't think I got anything yeah, else. Yeah, it's out there, especially as you know, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I said they do show up, especially as the elder generation, you know, moves on to the next planet or wherever they're going to. Yeah. And, they, you know, the the kids, which are, then, you know, still 50, 60 years old, often, you know, they approach us and say, you know, we found this, we have this. And then mm. we hear of swap, swap meat finds all the time. And it's good. But, you know, 20 years from now, who knows if anybody still recognizes Cox, right? It's just uh, Well, there, there's still the some. goes in the world, that's fine. There's still some hope. I, I ran into a kid uh, at a hobby store, and we were talking model airplanes, and he he happened to uh, said that he had a QT. And I said, oh, yeah, I have one of those too. And I expected him to say he's got some electric motor or something on it. But no, he told me he runs an 049 on it. Uh, and he, he lives local to mm-hmm. me. And he was only like 18. He was very young. He looked <laughs> like he was 15, but that's besides the point. <laughs> well, You're not and, calibrated anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and Bernie, I just want to kind of uh, remind you that you are the reason why a lot of this stuff is still flying. You're kind of wondering what's going to happen in 20 years from now, but guess what? We we won't know, or we wouldn't have had a, a 20 years from now if you didn't have a lot of those parts, you know, saved to, to sell out there and hopefully keep the tradition going. So, you know, you are, uh, you are uh, leaving a, a good carbon footprint. I said it's definitely a valid point. And I mean, you know, I was close to being discouraged about, 12, 13 years ago because of all the negativity, but uh, I was afraid of losing not only my money, but money of friends and relatives. But uh, I, you know, I, I had a vision, and I, I said I've been self-employed virtually all my life, and I, I, just, I just believed in it, and I made it work. And I'm, you know, there was trepidation the first little while, of course, because you had all this, these debts and haven't made a sale yet. And yo, but uh, today, looking back, I say, you know what? It was a challenge, and it was fun, and it was a fun challenge as well. It wasn't. It wasn't stressful. It was just. Uh, you know, it is when you have a new venture, right? And it was a new venture. Not a. You know, I wasn't 20 years old when I did it either. It was, you know, my uh, my late 40s or beginning of late 40s. So you don't want to fail at that. But failure is part of it. I mean, I've failed in business before, and it's just you. It's, you just learn that that's something you don't do it that way anymore, and you find a new opportunity. So I'm glad I did it, and I'm really glad that uh, it worked out because it's it's something that I I don't uh, I don't you know, I don't I'm I like going to work, and you know, staff is empowered. They make their own decisions. Don't ask me. Just do it, and if you make a mistake. <laughs> I do. No, absolutely seriously. Like I. I 
I just, just, I don't want to hear about it unless it's something fundamental where, you know, it affects the business to the point where, you know, I need to make a decision. Otherwise, make your own decisions and have fun. And it's, it's, it's a fun job. So what am I, what am I to say? It's a fun job. I, I don't, I don't have bad days at work. Actually, I have good days and better days. And that's, that's how I get up in the morning. I love it. Now, let's get back to the swap meet real quick. Give me the big picture. Did the tax man show up? Did we lose Lee? Towards... No, I'm right here. Oh, okay. I was just I, I, I thought Vince was going to jump. Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't see anything about a tax man. I didn't see. It was a evidence. pregnant pause. That's oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, your question, Terry. No, not that I'm aware of, unless you saw something, Lee. Nope, not at all. No. It was a good group, a good size. Uh, it felt like a good Saturday. Uh, the the pros were, you know, they were deals. I mean, I saw a guy leaving the <laughs> twenty plus mile an hour facility <laughs> wins, you know, just dragging his uh, big biplane out to his car that he got for a hundred bucks, wow. you know, with servo, with digital Metal Gear servos too. I was like, wow, that's awesome. But the auction was. Uh, <laughs> a dud. Yeah, <laughs> it was very sad. It was a very sad auction. I don't think anything was uh, anything as good as last year. But no. this the 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 swap meet itself was good. Uh, our club's got one next month, and for the life of me, I've forgotten the date because I think it's conflicting with some family schedules. So I apologize. I'll put that on our site. In fact, I I did post our swap meet flyer on RC Roundtable, and uh, we also have we. By the way, for listeners who are just listening to the podcast and may or may not be on Facebook, we did do a live show from Georgetown. It's saved there, so I would encourage you to go uh, and find us and look at it. It was it was very fun. And I missed a lot of my friends. Uh, Randy Larson was texting us during the the show, so uh, he couldn't make it, but that was fun because I felt like I was just doing his bidding. <laughs> He's like, go, go find the warbirds. Yeah. Uh, and that was fun, you know, and so we had a good time with that, and a, lot of, a couple of my Houston friends were out there. But I, I had a good time. I'm glad I went. Uh, and, and kudos to Fitz for dealing with me in the car ride there and back, you know, all with one, with one, one day. Oh, Lee. And, uh, Fitz? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Lee, your club swap meet. That is Northwest Houston RC Club, right? Yes. Uh, it is February 23rd, and you're not going to make it. Oh, and there you go. I knew there was some conflict. Yeah. What is that? Why is that, Terry? Because you and I and Fitz are all going to be in New Jersey. New Jersey? The AMA expo. We better not use any fake accents or we'll, we'll get pounded. <laughs> we will be in the lovely Garden State that weekend at the AMA expo. I knew and, I had a conference. <laughs> yeah, so as we mentioned last time, I'll be doing a how-to on how I put little cameras on my airplanes to shoot onboard video. And now Lee is going to be doing a how-to session. Um, do you know which planes, To photograph those planes in the air with little cameras on their wings. <laughs> but from I, the ground. I, I don't, yeah, from the ground. Uh, so I'll be doing a, an aviation photography little how-to, hopefully. And, and videography, right? And, and video will be a side one. But, uh, yeah, okay. so I'll, I'll show some of that. And, and uh, yeah, that'll be fun. And Fitz will do his on uh, 049 engines. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Oh, could you imagine if he ran those inside? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I did oh. that once. I ran inside the house. Uh, once. Once. Yeah. My parents weren't um, very uh, impressed very Impressed with that. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it was just, like 10. Can you imagine the number of people that would just show up at the how-to if he started up an 049, though? All, right. I mean, all these old people going, oh, I know that sound. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's a, a siren fire. call. It's yeah. a calling, yeah. It's like a moose call. Bring <laughs> them all in. Round them up, Fitz. <laughs> so, all right. The bottom line is we'll all be at the expo. We hope lots of our listeners will be there and we can meet you and say hi. And we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing um, outside of our how-to presentations. But I'm sure we'll be pulling some stuff together, probably doing a, a show somewhere there, definitely, or at least segments. Definitely yeah. doing a live show there. But we'll also we also have a couple more podcasts before that trip, so we will give more information and we'll set up. I mean, I'm hoping to. I hope you guys agree. We're going to try to set up a, a meet and greet time while we're there. Uh, definitely, we're our intentions are to go visit a lot of the vendors. Uh, maybe do some video. Fitz might do something with Hobby View. Uh, I'll probably try to do a couple of Facebook live walkthroughs while we're there. But then, as I said, we'll do a live recording of the RC Roundtable podcast there at AMA Expo East. And that should be a lot of fun. I think so. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. Sounds like a plan. All right. On that note, I think we'll wrap things up. I just want to extend our extreme appreciation to Bernie for joining us on this show. And uh, we uh, look forward to uh, seeing more of your success and uh, whatever products you guys have come out with. And uh, for our listeners, we'll be sure to leave a link to uh, Bernie's website uh, once this episode goes live. And uh, Bernie, got any last thoughts? Oh, thank you so much for having me. That was actually a pleasure on my side. It was a lot of fun. I, I, I learned something. And yeah, no, that was fun. That was fun. I'm all stoked now. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I definitely enjoyed having you, Bernie. It was neat to hear your story. And again, thank you as someone who's who's played with 049 Engines. Thanks for saving those parts. And don't worry, I'll be ordering more from you soon. <laughs> I, I know Fitz is going to be getting a carburetor from you. <laughs> Stupid carburetor calling to me. <laughs> hurry up. Hurry up. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we really enjoyed the chat. Hopefully, maybe one day in the future, we'll meet up again sometime. Uh, and... Uh, uh, Keep keep the dream alive. That's all I can say. Yeah, and you guys have a lovely weekend. All right, you do the same. Thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for Bye. to our listeners for chiming in. I hope you found the the uh, discussion we had today pretty interesting. And uh, if you got that old Cox 049 somewhere in a drawer, why don't you kind of consider pulling it out and playing with it a little bit, maybe even starting it up just for old times' sake. And on that note, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. All right, catch you next time. Bye. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.